Hello, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. Juliana Hatfield. If you did not know, Juliana is a Boston native and still resides in the city. You may see her finishing up her 10 okay, maybe her 5K run, if you can pick her out from the crowd of masked runners. But she likes the anonymity, and this isolation in the time of COVID fit her very well. Or at least it didn't change much for her, as she is a restless artist and will always find something to do with her creativity. With 26 or so albums under her belt, 19 of those solo studio albums, as well as her latest album, Blood, she is a terrifically prolific songwriter and artist. If you have not heard her Police and Olivia Newton-John cover albums, you are in for a treat. From her previous bands, Blake Babies, Some Girls, Lemonheads, her own band, the Juliana Hatfield Three, Juliana is a constant force. Her latest album, Blood, is, and I quote, a brutal and critical look at modern human psychology and behavior, at personal and societal sickness. While that sounds pretty deep and dark, Juliana says, but it is fun musically. So there you have it. You should check out her live performances streaming from Q Division Studios. She has been doing once a month. You can find out when those are happening at julianahatfield.com. My co-host this week is Ike Walker, and we had a very nice chat with Juliana, and she is really fantastic. So here is our conversation with the amazing Juliana Hatfield, recorded virtually in Boston, Massachusetts. Ike and uh, I'm here with Ike Walker and um, hello. Hi. And uh, you know we're not very good looking, so you can see us though. I can see you, yeah. Oh, good, good. As long as you can see us. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sad I don't get to see you, but but it's perfectly fine. I can I can test you to see if you can really see us. What's the album cover above my head? Salonius. Salonius alone in San Francisco. There you go. On a trolley car. That proves it. Yeah. So Juliana, how are you? How many fingers am I holding up? Oh, three. I, don't, I can't tell. I can't. I guess three. Okay, it was two. I was making the devil horns, actually. The devil <laughs> horns. Oh, all right, all right. Rock, rock horns. Rock horns. Got it. Yeah. But but how are you doing, Juliana? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I guess. Yeah. I've been watching you. I watched you last week on uh, on your Q Division episodes that you've been um, doing a Q Division. Yeah, I, I love it over there. I love hanging out there and. And hanging out with Ed and the other people, James. Well, the funny thing is we just, I, he was my last episode. Ed yeah, he told me, he told me that. Yeah, and his lovely wife, Jennifer. Yeah, Ed is, uh, Ed's the greatest. He is, really nice guy. Yeah. And, and so is his wife. His wife's, his wife's wonderful too. Yeah, they're great people. Um, yeah, you've had, the, you were even there with like your dog. Yeah, I just bring her along because she likes it there. And <laughs> she's, she's Milo, she's a studio dog. A studio dog. Yeah. I mean studio dog. Yeah. There, it's good to have a, a mellow dog in the studio, I think. Yeah. Everybody should have dogs at their place of work, I think. I, I work in software, and uh, the office is in San Francisco, so I don't go there very often, but there's a lot of dogs around the office, and I feel like it adds a nice a nice vibe. Yeah. I often think when I'm on tour that um, there, I, I miss having an animal when I'm on the road. I always think it would be nice to have a van animal but it wouldn't really be very probably wouldn't be good for the animal to be in a van well i guess unless they're like if you're it's better for the animal to be in the van than like in a cage at a, at right. a society but 
But or, I get it. You'd have to stop a lot, and it would be a little more difficult. And A bus would be a bit more convenient, I suppose, for an animal. Yeah. Are you at home right now? I am, in Cambridge. It, in Cambridge? Yeah. So you're still in Boston. Did you ever – why did you decide to uh, – I mean, is Boston just, you know, this is where you live and this is where you're going to be? Or, I mean, why are you still in Boston? I'm just curious. Uh, well, I, I did live in New York for a while, and I spent some time – attempting to live in LA. This was back in the 90s, I think. And I just kept ending up back here. And I think I just like New England. You know, I, I grew up on the South Shore. I was born in Maine. I think it's just something about, um, I like the climate. I like the change of the weather. And I like I like the kind of low-key attitude. People are kind of um, sarcastic, but low-key, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I need the I need the four seasons. I can't. Me too. Yeah, I, that's what it drove me crazy when I was in when I was attempting to live in L.A. Just the weather, the sun beating down every day, it became really oppressive to me. So was that a was that a sacrifice for your career when you left L.A.? Did you have to leave anything behind there? No, I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't really do much when I was out there. The same thing in New York. It wasn't really. Like nothing was really happening with my career because I was in LA. It was just like I was kind of wherever I go, I I seem to end up alone and not really meeting people. So I I realized like why why do I even bother to try <laughs> to live anywhere? You know. So so let me ask you about how how have you been during COVID? Is this like your your ultimate dream to just have to be stuck in your house and not have to see anybody? Well, it's kind of just like my normal life, but now um, it's legitimized now. Like my isolated life is, has legitimacy now. And it's like actually um, the isolation is beneficial. Are you craving any kind of human you know, interaction or is this really, you just, this is your sweet spot? I think I was, I've been preparing for this for my whole life. Like, yeah. yeah? All right. I, mean, I feel bad for people who are struggling right now, but for me- yeah, of course. For me, it was it was not any real kind of um, it was not a difficult adjustment for me. Like I said, it was like other people had to start living like I've always been living, and so um, I'm kind of used to it. And I know I I already kind of know how to deal with it, and I like it. I like I thrive in isolation. I think I'm a pretty solo guy as well. But even as time went on, I was just like I was just. I know what it was. I was just craving to get the hell out of my apartment and 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 be around people. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm having an even hard time like being with people because I'm so unused. I'm not used to it anymore that it's I have to re get my social uh, muscle. You're not yeah, get my social your, muscle moving. Yeah, you're you're not exercising your social muscle. No, I've been I actually I've been using this time to to do things that I've been. Um, meaning to do, but I've been putting off. Like I, I finally figured out how to record onto GarageBand in my computer, and yeah. I um, I started when my health club shut down. I started running more, and that was that was always this goal that that was never really working toward. But I, I started running outside and um, building up my endurance, and that's been just just so great. It feels so much better than working out in the gym. Yeah, it does. How how far are you running? Well, I say I'm building up my endurance, but really, um, 
I, I don't really have a, I'm not measuring it, but I would, uh, I would guess that it's just like four miles, five miles, four, that's four miles or something. That's, that's plenty. That's the long run that I do. And then the other ones, the short run is shorter. Yeah, that's what I, I did. The I did the couch to 5K thing. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? No, what is that? Basically, they say like you, okay, if you're, if you're starting out from the couch and you haven't been running, you basically walk for 90 seconds and mm -hmm. then you jog for 30 seconds mm -hmm. and then you walk for 60 seconds and yeah. then you jog for 60 seconds. And then you, and you build your way up. Yeah. And that's the way I basically run now. I, I do, I'll do four to five miles, but I'll just run until my heart's about to explode out of my mm -hmm. mouth. And then I stop and then I catch my breath. Ike is actually does marathons. So. Oh, you do? I do. Yes. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did Boston a couple of years ago. I've done New York. Yeah. Boston's the best thing. So you run the whole way? Yeah. Without it seems yep. so much punishing to me. Like it seems like it would be really hard on your body, but you feel okay when you yeah, do it. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a long run, but you know it's kind of like what you were describing. Of you know you you thrive in isolation. Like I like to just kind of get in my headspace and just run until mm -hmm. they tell me to stop. And it's uh it's a very meditative pursuit. Uh, so you know for me mm -hmm. it's all about just like not going too fast, not going too slow, just uh, finding that pace and sticking with it that does sound really great i mean i i don't think i could do that i definitely couldn't do that much right now but I, that is sort of a way far off um fantasy that i have to complete a marathon or to, to be able to just run more miles than i do now yeah yeah it's great it's you know the the, mm. the couch to 5k has the best marketing because that's like a transformational thing but then yeah. it's, after that it's 5k to 10k 10k to half marathon those aren't quite as catchy but uh you find yeah. your limit eventually. Well, I do you have any tips for how I can go farther, like how I can build my endurance up more? Sure. So for me, it's all about just going a little slower. You know, like yeah. if you if you want to go further, you just go a little slower. That was the thing that clicked one day. I was, you know, I had never done a marathon before. And one day I was just going and I just slowed down a little bit. And I got in this moment where I felt like I could run forever. Uh -huh. So, so yeah. it was like an epiphany. So, yeah, if you just slow down a little bit you can go further as long as your your joints let you do it i think i'm already kind of slow but i could go but i see i understand what you're saying i would i'll try it well you know it kind of surprised me that you say you have endurance problems because you are i, I was looking at your uh bio and and i might be wrong because this is off of just the computer but um between 1987 and today it says you have about 26 albums out yeah, I lost count. And some of them are collaborations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Labs. But there, but it's like an album every other every year or I mean it's that's that's crazy. And I've been seeing you more and more wherever you've been been showing up and you just constantly seem to be your brain seems to be constantly going all the time. Whether it be yeah. even like even like a video I saw of you you were doing some of your art, which I wanted to ask you about too. And while you're doing you're doing your art while you're being interviewed for something and you just constantly seem to be going. Is that a thing for you? Like you just you're constantly yeah. on the road like that? We yeah, I guess I'm a little bit restless and I, I need to be um I do like to be working on stuff. Late I feel like I'm lazy also though. Like I also I think that I don't think of myself as particularly prolific. When you think about an album a year, that's really what is that, like 10 to 12 songs in a year? That's really not all that much work, really, when you think about what 
other people are doing for the work. You know, people go to work every day and I make an album a year. Does that make me a hard worker? I, I went through a Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru today and I was just thinking that guy at the drive-thru window working, he's probably working eight hours making like, I don't know, $8 an hour. I don't know what Dunkin' Donuts pays, but, but geez, that's got to be tough. You they know? work their asses off, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to work hard, but I can imagine some people who make music would find it impressive just to write as many songs as you've written. Like, yeah. to be able to keep keep coming up with new ideas and keep writing. Well, again, it, it must I, be something you like and that you. I, I do. Well, I, f I feel fortunate that the ideas keep coming to me. I mean, I I keep working on generating these ideas, but I'm not having any kind of block blockage so i feel lucky because i know that there are writers who have or claim to have blocks and they can't write or not they're not writing anything good you know and so i feel, feel lucky there's this great video with uh, Su uh Su susan b is that, is that her name samantha b Oh, Samantha B. Yeah, you did the Samantha B. You were the uh, you were the in the basement playing the uh, Wayne's World stuff. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. That was that was so fun. Um, I came up. They had me come up with a quasi glam rock kind of riff, and I recorded it. And then we did that thing. It was it was fun. They were they were directing me and recording me from New York, and I was at Q Division filming. Oh, really? I don't get to. See, I don't have a TV, so I didn't get to see that. Samantha B episode, but I, I love Samantha B. She's great. Yeah, she yeah. is. I don't have, I don't really have, I haven't watched her show much because I don't have um, cable or streaming or anything, but, yeah. she, but she's great. Yeah. Speaking of videos, you know, one of the most memorable music videos for me, Juliana, was the uh, Universal Heartbeat video. I think that was oh. the, probably the, the first time I saw you is when, when you made that and, and got some good play on MTV. And mm -hmm. uh, it was like people doing aerobics. And then I think they all like died at the end. Am I well, remembering I was, that correctly? Let's see if I can remember it. I was like an evil or I was a sadistic aerobics instructor. And so I was just kind of exercising them to death. That kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Exercising them until they dropped. Yeah, it was, I don't I don't know who came up with the concept of the video, but it was, you know, I saw so I watched so much MTV as a kid and saw so many videos, but that one was very memorable. That was my friend, still my good friend, Phil Morrison. Phil Morrison directed that and he's, um, he directed the first Blake Babies video, and he directed the, my my sister video. He's done a um, he's doing other stuff now, but I can't remember if that was his concept or my concept. The aerobics thing. Well, it's funny that you did you were an aerobics instructor because when you did the uh, Olivia Newton John cover mm -hmm. album, the one of the songs I think that you did right physical it's on there physical. Yeah. Yeah, that, that takes place in with an aerobics with those. Her, her video does. Olivia yeah, her video does. does. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a kind of when you look at that video today, it seems kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah. it's not quite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of makes it more comical than. I mean, when you play that song, it's doesn't have that comical, you know, yeah, silly, silly thing to it that that the video does when you listen to to her. Yeah, I, do, I do the song. I, Pretty seriously, it's just my take is a serious take. Well, it's a great song. I mean, you kind yeah. of don't realize what a great what a great song that is until you take that video out of it, which made it kind of like a silly '80s song. You know what I mean? 
the video was kind of shocking. That was like early MTV where the music video was a new art form. So it's like people didn't know what to be shocked by yet. So I think they they got away with some some themes in that that uh, a couple of years later they might not have been able to. Oh yeah, I mean like looking looking at it now you can see that whenever that was like 81 or something it was a much more innocent time and now it would be accused of a lot of things like fat shaming. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. You know? It would. It would. They wouldn't get away with anything that we used no. grew up with. You know, it was on the other day, uh, 16 Candles. You know that movie, 16 Candles? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. horrible. It's a hor <laughs> the stuff that happens in 16 Candles, it's stuff that people would go to jail for today. And yeah, we were, we were more innocent. We were more innocent. Yeah. Back then it was funny, but not today, you know. Yeah. But um, but the Olivia, I do want to talk about the 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 cover albums that you do because the the Olivia Newton John one, she is. I don't want to say she's underrated because I don't know what kind of following she has. But I always, I mean, as a kid when she was in Greece, I had a huge crush on her in Greece. But after Greece came out, she came out with all those hits, and uh, a little more love is such a great song. Oh my too. god, yeah, such a great song. It's sick. The songwriting is just like brilliant. It is, and they're complicated songs too. Oh, tell me about it. I, I, making that album was really challenging. Really, just like so many chords in yeah. some of those songs. Melodies are real all over the place, high, yeah. low, in between. Really challenging, mathematically and musically, vocally, vocally challenging. I agree that she is underrated. Was doing that album when you started learning the songs was that was that a surprise to you? Were you like, oh my gosh, this is far more complicated than I thought it was going to be? Well, I think by the time I really decided to do it, I had an idea of how difficult it was going to be. I kind of knew going into it, and it it was a I was up for the challenge, you know. But the the police album was easier for me just because I had I feel like. My vocal, no one else might agree with me, but from where I stand, my vocal, the way that I sing, um, it was a lot easier and more natural for me to sing Sting's songs. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, and those, those came out great. Do you, so did you, when you picked which songs to do for the Police album, did you, were there any that you recorded that you ended up not using on the album or did you? stick with all of them oh wait a second i think i think we recorded god my memory is so bad but i think we recorded truth hits everybody yeah truth hits everybody did not end up on the album and why why not well it's on it's in spotify yeah it came out as, as a b-side or something somewhere well then you also did one of my favorite songwriters you did the elliot smith needle in the hay yeah i'm a huge elliot smith fan and uh, actually, you know, I go, I kind of go through my stages where I listen to him for, for a long time and then I don't listen to him for a couple of years and I just started listening to him again. You know, you just kind of forget how, how freaking brilliant that guy was. Yeah, that, that was another song that was, was a big challenge to figure out. There's a lot going on. Hmm. Um, I was playing all the instruments and just, and, and the form is a little bit unnatural. Not unnatural is the wrong word, but the form's a little odd and um, off kilter and, it was really, that one was really interesting to get inside of the song. It was like a puzzle that didn't really have all the pieces or something, but it was like a puzzle with like jagged sides or something, not rather than a rectangle. 
I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's what yeah, I, I, I like that image. What made you choose? Um, I mean, I don't know. This is I don't I don't like this question. I was about to ask you. So <laughs> I'm not going to ask you that <laughs> about why you chose why you chose those two. I'm more actually actually interested in. You did say on the last Q division performance that you did that you were going to do another one and that you were thinking of doing an REM cover. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge REM uh, uh, fan too, but I'm I'm early REM album. Me too, and that so that's part of my. Now that I've said that out loud that I might do REM, I, I feel like I have to do it now. Okay. I hadn't hadn't decided for sure on it, but but I'm like you. I, I I'm much more familiar with the first half of their career, and and it's really daunting to think about making an album of REM songs because there's so much material and so much that I have not heard, which is like the whole second half of their whole lifespan. Right. My my idea is that I could do volume one, and that would be taking songs from the er the earlier part of their career, which is the stuff that I know best. Maybe or maybe not ever do volume two, but at least at least start with the volume one. Yeah, you should definitely name it volume one too, just to yeah. make people expect volume two, or just call it volume two and think <laughs> what happened to volume one. Yeah. Well, it was like, what, how do you say his name? Sufjan Stevens? How do you say his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was going to do an album for each state. He got through two, right? Yeah, but then he he admitted recently that he never planned on doing all 50 states. That was a <laughs> PR stunt or something. Yeah, I saw a, a joke on Twitter that we can't we can't add DC as a 51st state because Sufjan's already too far behind. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fables of the Reconstruction was my first... REM album that I, I I discovered in high school, and then I and I just love anything up to um, uh, I think Green or maybe Document was when they started. I, I started not listening as much, but Did Green or Document come first. I can't remember. Maybe, maybe Green came first. Was Autobiography like, People after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was all over that one too. That was great. A great one. They were all great songs when I heard when I heard them, but I just didn't. Yeah get to listen to them. I was in college when they, cause they had uh, you know, reckoning and murmur and uh, those. Are, and, Town, the first EP is the greatest thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Chronic town. Exactly. I actually yeah. have the seven inch album of that. Mm -hmm. You collect, you collect, you do records. No, I have like, I just was packing up my records and in, in a crate and it didn't even fill the crate. There's, I have literally like my record collection is like 30 records or something. And half of them are probably mine. No, like I, I have one of each of my things, and then the rest of my record collection still doesn't fill up a whole big crate that I had. Well, if you have one of your one of each of yours, that's still like twenty eight albums. That's, I know. that's a lot. <laughs> but I never play them. I don't have a record player right now. Oh well, that that's a problem. You never. Yeah. Yes, they well they make good artwork, even if you're you know I've got my Thelonious Monk yes, on my, my wall behind like, me. I do like to see see the record covers. Yeah. Spice, spices up the Zoom background nicely. Yeah. Ike, are you in Boston or what? Uh, I'm in Acton. Acton, okay. And I'm actually in Concord, but I'm moving to Arlington. Concord. Concord, that's yeah. right. You, you've been to Concord? Concord? I used to take my dog out to Mount Misery, which is technically might be Lincoln. Wait, do you know Lincoln. Lincoln? Lincoln, yeah. Yep. But I would drive. I would drive, what's that, Route 2? Yeah. Drive, yep. And then I turn left where, and then drive by um, Walden Pond. Yep. 
and then at the end of that road, go right, and then there's this place called Mount Misery, which um, is has trails and stuff. Yeah, you know? that's a good good spot. I brought my dog there recently. And that's yeah. right near the uh, the Deke, uh, the um, what's that? The court of a museum is right there. Yeah, it's yep. near there. It's one of those uh, streets off the street that takes me to. Yeah, that that's a beautiful road that the, the Cordova Museum's on. It is. It is. Lincoln's really beautiful. Really nice. It's funny because when I was looking at places to live out there, I don't mean to insult anybody in Lincoln, but um, my realtor said, oh, well, there's a lot of very strange people with teepees and and naked kind of stuff going on. Nudists? Nudists in Lincoln? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what she said. I'm like, really? I've never heard this. There's naked stuff going on in Lincoln? In Lincoln? Naked stuff in Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news on the Above the Basement podcast. <laughs> yes, and maybe we'll st maybe we maybe it's not there, and we'll start a trend. So yes. that's 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 the hope. Um, so speaking of artwork on albums, have you ever done art artwork for your own albums? Yeah, the new my new album has a drawing of mine on the cover of it. Oh, it's, sweet. Not out, it's the one that's not out yet. Yeah, the um, the Blake Baby's first album, nicely, nicely, had a drawing of mine on it. Once in a while, I, I do something. How yeah. about the uh, the buffalo on Only Everything? Is that you? I did not do that. That was by an artist named John Nieto. I saw that painting in a in a, I think it was a Harper's Magazine, and I just I I told my record company I wanted that on on the cover of my album, so they were able to find the artist and get permission to use it. I love album art, and I love and I love it when. Um, artists do their own album art. I think that's, uh, I, I love that that happens. And, you know, I was, I was talking with the band the other day. You ever hear of the Devil's Twins? No. They're out of Boston. And mm -hmm. actually they played at the Fraser too. You played at the Fraser at GBH, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't realize it was called the Freezer. The Big Room? The the big... It's Fraser. The Fraser. Oh, Fraser. I thought you said the Freezer. No, no, no. <laughs> my poor conch addiction. <laughs> the Fraser. Yeah. Okay. GBH. Yeah. They played, they played there and, um, uh, where was I going with this? What were we talking about before? We were talking about um, album cover art. Um, but uh, that show at the Fraser, I think yeah. I saw that on GBH. That was, I remember the song you did, Everything's for Sale. Am I remembering that right? I think so. Yeah, that was, I, I dug that song. That was cool. And I liked how you uh, described it. Of a, It's a list song, so you can just keep adding to it. Yeah, the, I, I was thinking of trying to write um, an Everything's for Sale part two, because there's so much stuff you can put in and um but it, but i started trying to write part two and i realized that i think i put everything in part one so i couldn't think of anything else that was for sale <laughs> so what what fascinates me of that is that you know it's such a list of things but you make it work as you sing it like do you have to rearrange things to, to make it fit the melody or yeah do you just kind of challenge yourself to plow through it in whatever order you wrote it down oh no it's really it's definitely like um Again, like I, I always use this analogy, but it's really like doing a puzzle. I have the core, I have the song form and I have a melody. And then the problem is to fit words into the melody and the form. So there's a, mm -hmm. like, there's this, all this space to fit words in and into the melody. And so I, and then I'm, it's a process of just like coming up with lyrical ideas and then trying to like arrange them within the parameters of the melody and the form. So the melody is the framework. Yeah. The lyrics, yeah. yeah. I'm usually, ha I usually have a melody before I have lyrics and then that probably makes writing harder, I think, because 
it's tough sometimes to fit words into a melody that it, to into a pre-existing melody. Whereas if you had lyrics first, you could just that the lyric the words would maybe dictate the melody. I don't know. But is, is that the way you've you've always written? Pretty much, yeah. I the melodies just are always swirling around in my head, and they come out before the words come out. That's interesting. I was going to ask whether the words came first because your words are you're, it's pretty poetic. They're they're complicated lyrics. They're they're very. Do you do you write poetry sans sans uh, music? Do you just write? No, never. It's always just for the music. Yeah, but I I do think that some of them read well. Like like you said, I agree that they. Um, I'm I'm proud that they they hold up on their own yeah. on page. If you're reading them, they 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 hold up, and they actually like. I think they reward the reader who's if someone reads them without listening to the music i think that people can get something out of them or maybe get more out of them if they're focusing on them on a page rather than because when i know that for myself as a listener i if i'm listening to a song i rarely take in all the lyrics meaning like a lot of what the lyrics are saying just goes right past me because i'm so focused on <clears throat> on the sound and how it's making me feel viscerally. So I, I really overlook a lot of lyrics as a listener. Well, that's the problem nowadays is that the way people listen to music, you know, they don't have the lyrics in front of them. They're listening to them through, you know, MP3s and they don't have the physical, you know, CD or album in front of them where certainly it was something I grew up with being able to know what the lyrics were. As a matter of fact, when I was in college and I had a band, we would play some REM songs and I was always so frustrated because they never put their lyrics down and I could never understand what the hell they were singing. So we just had to kind of make them up what we thought they were singing. Well, that was part of the fun of REM, right? In the early days, like no one knew what the words were. And so you just sing along phonetically. Right, exactly right. And, you know, and honestly, I'm not sure they even knew what the meant either but um right we'll leave that up to them yeah um i remember what i was going to say about the devil's twins so what i asked the devil's twins was they were both mass college of art grads or they went to mass college of art and you know and speaking of rem too like what is it about people who are in other mediums like painting and drawing and they always seem to come out with some awesome band they always just there's some band comes out of that art that they're doing do you see a connection there between physical art like painting and drawing and charcoal or whatever and music do you see a connection there because it certainly seems to be one with you yeah i see a connection um i think there's an art brain there's a way of approaching existence and i can't i don't know if i can even explain it but it's just being open to being open to ideas and and open to always being open to um experimentation and just creativity. I think creativity is the thing. It sounds so basic and obvious, but music and visual art are both just ways to express. Um, maybe it's like a, maybe it's people who have trouble communicating uh, verbally. I know that I have trouble communicating, and I think that artwork and music help me in that way they help me to feel like i can communicate something that i don't know how else to communicate or you know it's like being tapped into some other dimension i think like um music and art are both you're 
dealing with you're living outside of space and time, I think, and that's maybe an area that's other, not every person can um, go to or can access. I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, you are. You are definitely. Do you, do, are you, um, are you strict with yourself about your art, about doing something every day? Are you in a schedule or are you just kind of going through the day? I'm pretty sloppy generally about everything. So I don't, I'm not good at sticking to rigid schedules, but, but having said that I have kind of a rigid schedule, <laughs> but <laughs> not, it's just not the schedule. It's just, it's more of a, there's a, an unwritten flow to my days and nights and mm -hmm. certain things happen at certain times of the day. And that's just like the rhythm of my life. It's like I read in the morning and then I draw at a certain, I draw things at a certain time and then I'll practice music at a certain time or record. And then I'll maybe like have a period where I'm just like slacking off and watching TV or watching movie. You know, it's like a sort of rhythm. Are you a night owl? No, it's there's nothing really consistent about that. I, like some some nights I'm a night owl and I'll be up till three, and but some nights I, I get tired at ten and I'll fall asleep at ten. So I don't know. I don't know what to t say about that. That's yeah, okay. You know, what you're, what working for. He's working. I've I've always dreamed of being able to to transcend the clock and have a work schedule and a life schedule where I just do things and I never have to look at what time it is. But yeah, I feel really fortunate that I can make my own schedule and. I, I just, my biological rhythms guide me. You wrote an autobiography. What is it, like in 2008? Yeah, I think so. Do you think you could ever read that, read that book again? No, and in fact, I wish it didn't exist. I wish I could erase really? its existence. Huh, interesting. Well, so how did, sorry, what? I, I was going to say, how did it come to be? If, if you know, Given you, you regret it now, is it, was it something that you were pressed, people pushed for, or was it your idea, and then you had different thoughts afterwards? It was just my own challenge to myself. I just, I just wanted to see if it was possible. I wanted to see if a book could be written. I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to know if it was possible to to write a book, because you know, I'd seen that books were written, and I wanted to know if I could do it. I don't have a good imagination, and like with my songs, I'm, I'm just writing about what I'm thinking about, and I can't think of up um, scenarios and I can't think of, you know, what I would, what I would, if I were to write fiction, I don't have any ideas for stories, but like, I just write about my own life. And so I just figured I'd, I'll, I'll write a tour diary and the, and I went on tour and I took very detailed notes every night after every show. And initially the book was going to be strictly a tour diary and um, it was going to be, can I swear on the show? Yes, you can. It was, it was, this isn't TV, right? I can swear. You can swear. This isn't network TV. So the book was going to be a tour diary and it was going to be called, if I lived here, I'd fucking kill myself. That was the title. Okay. And, um, but then somehow, like somehow I ended up, it was kind of a long way to getting a publisher, but I went, I was taking a memoir writing workshop at Grub Street, which is just writing place they have workshops and and i grub street was gonna have a party which was also going to be a fundraiser and they i was invited to a lot of people were invited to read 
something. And so I, I went to this party that was packed with people and I read a chapter from this work in progress that I was working on, which is gonna ended up being my memoir. And I read the chapter about peeing in a cup backstage in a club because there's no bathroom accessible to the band. <laughs> and so, and then at, uh, got, there was an agent in the audience who liked what I'd read. He had, he had no idea who I was and he just liked the chapter that I read and he ended up being my, becoming my literary agent. And I thought it was really cool that he had no idea who I was and he just liked the writing. And then I sold my book. And then once I had this publisher, my editor there suggested that I weave in some chapters about my musical career, weaving in between the tour diary chapters. Mm -hmm. so there would be kind of a history leading up to this tour that I'm documenting, this latter day tour that I'm documenting. And so, yeah, and like all that other stuff just got added in. And now I just kind of, I feel like, like at the time it seemed like an okay thing to do. Like I, it was just, I don't know, I just kind of felt like there's, there's, that was a legitimate thing to do with the book. But now when I look back, I kind of feel like the purity of the tour diary was kind of like compromised by the other stuff. But also I feel embarrassed also by the tour diary. Like I, I just, I don't know if the whole thing was just such a good idea to be so honest and about everything that I was feeling. But I don't know. I don't remember. I haven't read it in a long time. I <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good, I mean, I, I, I'm all for people writing down what, what they do now, whether or not they publish it and let the world's world read it. I mean, it takes some certain bravery and, and all that, but uh, I've always tried to be a, uh, a journal writer and I'm terrible at it. I'll keep it up for like a week and then I'll stop. And then a year later I pick it up again. And um, I just don't have the, I don't have the ability to do that. But when, you're, but when you're doing it, do you feel like you're getting something out of it when you're doing it? Um, it's like torture for you to do it. It's torture. It is torture. You don't like it. you don't end up with any good material after you try to write. No, sometimes, sometimes if if I if I'm really kind of thoughtful about it, I will. But I don't do it enough to even remember what I've what I've written. I, I have this little app. Um, it's called Day One. It's a little app that pops up, reminds me every day to write in my journal, and so I try to write. And it's you know I'm, I don't know I, I'm. I'm lazy that way. Well, I think that if writing's not torturing you, you're not doing it right. Supposed, I, guess, then I guess I'm doing it right then. It's supposed to be torture. Because it's totally torturing said, I don't know, like some, was it, some writer said something like, um, I hate writing, I love having written. Yes. Was that Dorothy Parker? I don't know. I don't remember who said these That things. makes sense. I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah. Wait, a writer is someone for whom writing is more difficult than other people. Something like that. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. It works. Yeah, it's a it's a mystical thing. Writing. It's. Uh, do you write? Like? No, you know, in college I wrote for the newspaper. That was that was the pinnacle of my writing career. Do you before COVID hit? Anyways, did you get out into the clubs in Boston just to go see music yourself? Not lately. No, I kind of stopped doing that years. Not ago. lately, but before COVID. No, I mean, no, I mean, by lately, I mean the past 10 years, I, oh, I yeah. stopped going to clubs. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, it's, it's you know, I go into the office every day too, but. Um, I get burned out because I've been to so many, I've been in so many rock clubs. I guess yeah. I just got burned out. I hit the wall and I could, I, just, I realized I could never set foot in another one voluntarily unless I, I had a job there. 
Do you enjoy playing live? Sometimes I do. Not every night. It's really like um, really up and down for me. Yeah. So you don't. So you don't miss it. You, well, how about these? How about um, streaming live? Are you enjoying that? I am. I, I'm starting to enjoy it more. The first one I felt a little, a little shaky. Yeah. Um, I wasn't used to it and I hadn't performed in a, a year. And I think the second one was better. I think it's only going to get better. And I do. I kind of love the setup at Q Division and and playing an album through start to finish each time. It's it gives the thing. It feels like a series that I'm doing, and like it has a kind of structure or a theme. An album a month, and I yeah. like I like that it's kind of ritualistic like that, or it's becoming ritualistic. I like rituals, like an album a month, start to finish. Yeah, they do a very nice job at Q Division. First of all, the the uh, the audio sounds fantastic, but even oh, the video looks great too. Yeah, they set it up really nicely. The lights, and then it's yeah. the rug and everything. Yeah, I, it's nice. I, yeah, I like it. I like it in there. It's cozy. It's very comfortable looking. Yeah. So that's interesting. So yeah, I mean that's and that's the problem usually now with everyone's been streaming and for the most part, ninety percent of them are terrible looking and terrible sounding just because people are just doing it with their with their Macs or something like that. Slowly but surely they've been getting better and people have like kind of invested in in doing them better. But um I think the Q division is a nice in between space. I because I've been hearing that people are doing them in clubs now with or without an audience yeah. on, on actual stages. And then people are doing them in their bedrooms. So I think that Q division is kind of nice in the middle space. So you have an album coming out. When is that, when is that going to come out? I think it's coming out officially in May, but people are pre-ordering it already. Oh, sweet. And what's the name of the album? Blood. Are you going to tour it? Can I tour? Can I? I don't think I can. Well, I mean, assuming that in May people have had their COVID shots, maybe by the fall you may be able to uh, tour. But I would, I would if I could. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I would love. We could get you a bus and a dog. Bus and a dog. Well, I have a dog. I don't need a dog. I have one. Oh, you have a dog. All right, so you can bring your dog. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, when when people can tour again, I'm sure I'll be out there touring. Uh, you did that great video with um, what's his name from Wilco. Um, he was like the host of it, Pat Sansone. Yeah, yeah, that was my friend Rachel Lichtman that directed that. That was great. I love, I love that because I was like, I'm watching him because, and I, first of all, it's been it's been years since I've seen Pat without a beard. Uh -huh. I saw Pat um, with the Autumn Defense at uh, they were at the Lizard Lounge a couple of years ago, and you know the Autumn Def they're great, the Autumn Defense and. Um, and I was watching the video. I'm like, is that Pat? Because like, he didn't have a beard. I didn't recognize him at first. But uh -huh. like a talk show host or something. He's playing some kind of game show host kind of character in it. Yeah, my my friend Rachel Lichtman is a genius. She she puts this stuff, all these things together. She's really, she has, she's a visionary. She gets all these people together. She finds people to do things like that. She gives us acting jobs and things. It's great. You you like weren't you in like a, a bunny outfit and you're out like doing gardening or something? Oh, the video that she did for me. Is that the one? Is that the one that Pat introduces? Oh yeah, the broken doll video. Yeah, yes, I'm, yes. A, I'm like a washed up Playboy bunny on a put out to pasture. So you got the album coming out. If it's all the same to you, you would uh, just stay indoors and and have COVID go on as long as no one's getting really sick. Well, I like to get outdoors, you know, and I'm running now. That's right. You are running. I'm going to keep running, building up my endurance. Um, 
pulling out my mask whenever a person, whenever I approach a person. Right, good for you. Good. Uh, that is, yeah, that is a challenge of, of running in, in 2021. Yeah, but it's good. Right now, it's good because um, the mask actually works as a kind of scarf effect. If That's it right. Warms, it's warm, yeah, it warms your face in a nice yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. Another benefit it. of being in New England. Well, I get I get those uh, gator thing. Yeah, the gator thing that you can pull over your your face and just keep them around your neck. Yeah, those, those work pretty well. They're not preferred by doctors, you know. Yeah, if you're out running, you can you can make an effort to stay far away from people. Of course, I I run there. Or they run, you know, they usually go to the other side of the yeah of the path for me. Well, Juliana, I really appreciate you you coming on. It's it's been it's really nice to talk to you and uh, have a uh, a great rest of the winter. And hopefully, it warms up soon. But uh, at least if it's, since it's cold, you can run out there without bothering anybody. That's right. Keep running. Thanks. It was good That's to talk advice. to you guys. See ya. Bye. We would like to thank Juliana for the conversation. You can listen and purchase her music and also find out when you can catch her next Q Division performance at julianahatfield.com. Also keep an eye out for her latest album, Blood. Go to abovethebasement.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, wear a mask, get vaccinated, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. Thank you.